which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude, they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain, and there sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Notice he said this when they were coming unto him. Nothing's taking place yet. The, The multitude is coming. This is early into this. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make them sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, which... And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled, isn't it amazing, twelve baskets, with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, I ask your blessing this morning upon the message. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. And Lord, may your word speak to our hearts and meet the needs that are here. Lord, I pray that it would challenge us and, and, and convict and, and, and do the work that only your word can do in our heart. That it would have that free course that's talked about in your word. So, Lord, use it to draw us closer to you. And, Lord, I do pray, if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, that even this morning they would repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, I pray that you would use this to be a help and to feed us. Lord, we love you. We pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This miracle of Christ is popular, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. It is the only miracle, actually, Um, that Christ performed that is recorded in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew chapter 14, it's in Mark chapter 6, it's in Luke chapter 9, and of course, as we just read, in John chapter 6. It is is really one of those events, it's true of all of Christ's miracles, but it's just one you're just left in awe at what takes place. And there's many lessons that we can draw from it. And in this, and today, this morning, I want to look at one particular angle of this miracle. See, there are many times in life when it's as if the Lord asks us to do the impossible. When He comes to us and He, he challenges us or puts something before us that we simply view as impossible. I can think of different times in my life where the Lord has done that. I, again, I remember uh, being brand new on the mission field, feeling completely overwhelmed, knowing there's just no way that I could do this, not even knowing the next step to take. <clears throat> and I'm sure all of us, maybe some are facing those times right now, the Lord is asking of you the impossible. Maybe a situation at home, maybe something going on at work, just something... 
some mountain or some giant. We often hear the phrase said that the Lord does not give us anything that you cannot handle. And I understand how that's given. There's times that I would say that. But the truth is, that's not always so. The Lord gave the disciples here something they themselves could not do. It was not possible for them alone to take five loaves and two fishes and feed probably somewhere between fifteen and 25,000 people. It simply wasn't possible. So there are times the Lord does ask of us the impossible. But there is never times the Lord does not give then the grace and strength that's needed to accomplish what He does ask. In our text, the disciples were asked to do the impossible. To feed the multitudes. So we have a pattern that's given here of what we are to do when we are given an impossible task from God. At this point in time in Christ's ministry, this is really one of his... I mean, he's still going to have some public events that take place. This is now two years into his ministry when this miracle takes place. Uh, he's going to get, his ministry is going to go much more private during the last year. There's still some major events that takes place, but it goes into a much more uh, private area after this miracle does take place. You're going to see a massive rise in persecution from the religious leaders. His ministry is going to be much less public. This event takes place. It's interesting because all the, all the Gospels gives us details about this that are a little bit different. I think John gives us the, the ones that I really want to focus on. But Mark gives a key detail. It just found out about the execution of John the Baptist. That's when this takes place. So they find out about the execution of John the Baptist, and Christ takes them apart to a desert place. Mark is clear. He took them apart for leisure time to go rest. That's what he did. He took them apart to go rest. And as, and as they did that, though, the multitudes found out where he was, and they start to come unto him. Again, we're dealing with just 5,000 men, so we're dealing with fifteen to 25,000 people. Is who we're dealing with. That They see coming unto them. They head for this rest. The large crowd begins to form. They would not be able to rest this day. They would not be able to. And there are times in life, even though we might need the rest, that the needs of ministry, the needs of others, happen to override at that moment your need for rest. Christ sees the multitude, and the Bible tells us He has compassion on them. The truth is, this is going to be an amazing day, a miracle which I personally don't believe, to, to a, at least to a major degree, the multitudes understood the miracle taking place. The disciples did. <clears throat> so as the multitude comes, Christ goes out and He does what He's been doing for two years. He begins to heal the sick. Those that were diseased coming unto Him with the need, begging for His help, believing He could do it. To them, things concerning the kingdom of God. As the multitude is coming, Remember, he's also going to heal the sick. You put this together, that's how we know what he says. When, when Christ asks uh, um, uh, Philip this question, um, it's at the beginning as they're coming unto him. But there's a lot that takes place after that question. <clears throat> he asks Philip the question, 
shall we buy bread that these may eat? And no doubt Philip's taken back by this. I mean, think about it. Where can we buy bread that these are going to eat? And he, and he thought, I said, well, first off, enough money. Uh, we can take all the money we have. We, we can't even scratch the surface of the need that is here to feed all these people. And we know if we read in the other ones, if we read in Matthew chapter 14 or even get into, into Mark, as Christ was healing, the disciples come unto Christ and said, listen, we need to let them know it's time to go. It's time to return. It was approaching, remember, the, the Jews had two evenings, if you will, three to six, and then after the sun set. It's approaching the first evening, three to six, and that's when the disciples come to him. That's why you have two evenings in Matthew chapter 14. There's no area, just studied out. There's, there's no error there. There was two, they had two, three to six, and then once the sun set, started another evening. So now we're in that three to six window. The disciples go to Christ and they say, listen, we need to send them back now. They need to go eat, find a place to rest, and, and Christ said, we're going to feed them. We're going to feed him. Now understand, Christ knew what he was going to do when this started, when he asked Philip the question. The Bible tells us that. So he tells him, he lets him know, we're going to do the feeding. He tells the disciples, you give them to eat. Andrew, of course, finds that lad with five loaves and two fishes. And like he says, but what are they amongst so many? I mean, I mean, you can just see this lad, you know, Andrew looking out and a lad maybe even approaching him. I'm not sure how that, how that quite took place. We could preach on the need of, uh, of what the lad was doing there. I think there's some interesting things we could, we would have to make some conjecture about it. But the lad has the five loaves and two fish. You know, Andrew brings it, but, but what are they among so many? Jesus then starts to get the instruction out, make the men to sit down. Again, you've got 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, so we're dealing with somewhere around 15,000 or more who are present. When I, when I thought of this, when I would go growing up in Cleveland, I would go to the Browns and, and Cavs and Indians, and usually the Cavs and Indians the amount in attendance was about twenty to 25000 for an average game. And I just remember thinking that sitting there in either where it was the Cleveland Indians Stadium or the Cavs played in a Coliseum, thinking, I could not imagine being tasked with feeding every single person there. And here's, here's the Lord telling them. He instructs them about bringing the food to them. He instructs them to have the people sit down and basically put all four together by companies in groups of 50 and groups of 100. This is going to be very orderly. This is going to be done right. And we do serve a God of order. He then blesses the food, gives it to his disciples, and tells them now give to the multitude. So he takes the five loaves and two fishes. He simply blesses it. He gives it to the disciples, start to distribute. They obey. They start to distribute. They give out what they have. They come back. There's more. They distribute what they have. Don't get, please understand this. When they returned to Christ to get more, there wasn't enough food there still to feed 20,000 people. It's when they distributed and came back, there was more. There was more. There was more. There was more. To the point that every single person ate until they were full.
I mean, kept going back. Just incredible. The disciples and no doubt some of the people, they were witnessing the miracle of creation. God creating out of nothing. What an amazing day. Christ taught, He has preached, He's healed the sick, and now He performs the miracle of creation itself to feed the people. And then, I, I love how it ends. And He says, you know what, there, there's still fragments here from everything that's been going on. Everything, from you've been distributing, there's fragments that are remaining. Go get them. I want you to see how much is left. Twelve baskets. <laughs> not eight, not nine, not thirteen, twelve. So we see here, the disciples were given an impossible task by the Lord. Something beyond their abilities. And yet they accomplished it. There's a great pattern here for us to follow when we are given an impossible task of the Lord. So let's go through that. Number one. First thing that's going to be needed when we are given something, a giant that we're facing, a mountain that we're facing, uh, some impossible tasks that God gives us. The area that we have to concentrate on, the very first thing that we see here that the disciples did is simply obey. Be obedient. Don't question. Be obedient. If they were going to feed the multitudes, they would have to obey. They could have argued with God. This will not work. There is just no way this is going to take place. It's not enough, but they obeyed and God blessed. God always blesses obedience. Now, this type of obedience is a little bit different, isn't it? This is not the obedience of like obeying the Ten Commands here, is it? It's not. It's a different type of obedience. This is an obedience that requires faith. Requires faith. You know, if I do this, if, if I'm obedient to what God is directing, what God is telling me to do, it's going to require faith. You can't figure out a way over this on your own. You need faith to, for this. Uh, you need faith if you're going to be obedient. This obedience is not based on current knowledge they have. This obedience is not based on some command. This obedience will be purely faith in God's Word. That's it. And so when we are faced with something that God is putting before us, we simply obey in faith, trusting Him. See, our problem is, when it comes to us facing these difficult situations or the times the Lord asks of us the impossible, we are so task-oriented instead of faith-oriented that it hinders us greatly. What we think about when given a task of the Lord is we then focus on the task. It's really how we're wired. We focus on the task. All right, this is what God has given. We focus on the task. The problem is when given an impossible task and you focus on the task, you see no way to accomplish it. When we are given an impossible, an impossible task by God, it will force you to focus on faith and not on the task. Which is what God desires of us because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And the truth is, for any task, even if it's something we have the ability to do, 
We should focus on the faith aspect of it and not simply the task itself. With God, understand this, it's never about the task that he gives us. It's always about the obedience. And you tie that obedience in with faith, it makes an enormous difference. Listen, there are times that I've seen people do, even in ministry, where it had nothing to do with faith. They focused on the task. Several years ago, a very prominent church within independent Baptist churches had announced they were going to baptize more than they did on the day of Pentecost. And they're, they're going to push for this. You know, why, you know why you can look at that and say, listen, Lord's nowhere near that. They focused purely on the task. It was organized. They had baptistry set up. This was all about their efforts in accomplishing the task. Not faith. The day of Pentecost, that wasn't planned. It was God. That's what happened. Again, so often we can be so task-oriented that when faced with an impossibility, again, we can't figure out how this is possible. we got five loaves and two fishes. There's 20,000 people here. It can't be done. Because you're just focusing on the task instead of the God of the task. I mean, think about this. As, as we, we didn't go through all the Gospels, but Philip focused on the money of the task. We only got, this is all we got. We got 200 pence here. That's just what we have. It's not going to scratch the surface for what we need. He didn't focus on faith. <clears throat> Andrew decided to try and scrounge up enough food. Well, hopefully there's enough food here. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> he found five loaves and two fishes. He focused on the task. Had they focused on God, they could have just went to Christ and said, you know what? I know your word is really powerful. You've been healing people all day today. You can just speak it. Like the Roman centurion. The one who Christ said had great faith. You don't even need to come to my house. You can just speak it. He focused on faith and not the task. I mean, think about it. The disciples are there with God. They're seeing them perform miracles daily. They're seeing them perform miracles right there on this day, healing the sick. Think about that. That means even though there's times we can be genuinely walking with God, yet he gives us a task, and instead of focusing on God, we go right to the task. But it takes faith to focus on God. Perhaps it is something the Lord has given you to do or something that you're facing right now. Something you think, I just can't do this. Obedience by faith is the first step. That's what it is. Trusting Him that God knows what He's doing. Because He does. Perhaps it's a sin that you're struggling with that you don't think you'll ever get victory over. Oh, you can. Obedience and faith. Obedience and faith. Perhaps you're having trouble in your marriage. You just don't see how how this is ever going to work, how I can ever love my spouse. Faith is the key. You focus on God. Be obedient to the task. Don't focus on the task. Focus on God. Perhaps the Lord has put you in a ministry. You think, I just just can't do this. You focus on God. Faith is the key. 
Again, you've, you've heard me tell the story before, and it's true. When the Lord was calling me to preach, and I was fighting it, simply because looking at... I still can't speak well. You know that. I'll, I'll hear about it after this message. <laughs> Which I don't mind. I, I enjoy trying to, you know, find those things. But I was well aware of that, of how much I was even paranoid, scared of public speaking. I even tried preaching once. It was a complete nightmare. And so, not believing the Lord was calling me. Now, I got this wrong. I was convinced, I have this wrong, I have this wrong. This, this can't be right. Why? I was focused on the task that was given, thinking, that's not me. That's not me. That's why you have to be careful with some of the things. And it's not always wrong, but boy, we, we lose sight of, of how good and how powerful God is at times. You know, I, I've been through the courses on the different personalities we have and who you are. But it teaches you almost to operate within that. Without realizing God changes people. He does. Don't box yourself in. So when God goes to call, you say, well, actually, that can't quite fit me. I'm sorry, Lord, you've, you've missed this. <clears throat> Next, we see not only obedience in faith, but also the Lord's power is needed. In John 6, 12, we see it work. Everyone was full. Everybody got fed. Consistent in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every single person ate as much as they could. With fragments left over to feed the twelve again. It is true when facing something beyond our power, we thus need God's power. We need his help. And this is a scary thing about Remember the story of Samson. I'm not going to turn there. Remember Samson. There's a verse when, when um, he had finally told the lie that his hair gets cut and, and, and he wakes up and it says this. He says, he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. In other words, he didn't know it. Think about that. He didn't know the power was gone. See, the power was God that was gone. It wasn't there. It wasn't the gym. It wasn't, it wasn't anything else. It was the fact of God. And he didn't even know it. So often today, so many Christians are trying to do things for God. They don't even realize the Lord's not even in it. Listen, the Lord is not limited by your ability. We limit ourselves because of a lack of faith and, and unbelief. Listen, faith and obedience are the keys that activates God's power working in our life for His glory, not yours. It's when you are walking with the Lord, God's directing in your life, leading you to something that is beyond you, and yet you obediently follow, trusting God for the strength to do it. Know what He does? That's when he does give the grace and strength that's needed. It's provided in the moment. I mean, I don't know if when the disciples were there, I, I, I mean, I doubt this. I, I don't know where their minds were. They had to be in awe. Because every time they came back to Christ, there was more food. Every time. You know, it just made you wonder if they weren't thinking if Peter wasn't like, well, well he's going to run out eventually. I mean, we just keep on going back. And, and 
to see, think of God's sovereignty of this. I mean, it's incredible to think about. Get the fragments. He knew exactly to the last little bit that would remain. God has a whole lot of knowledge, doesn't he? And a whole lot of power to go with that knowledge. So when God does give us the impossible task, he knows what he's doing. And he knows right where you're at. The disciples look at what they had, five loaves and two fishes. When they saw that, I mean, they're thinking this could not be done. But the fact was what they needed was obedience and then God's power to come in. And that's how this works. We take what we have. It's always not enough to get the job done. Don't worry about that. That's true every time. It's always true. But we must bring it to him with his touch, his power. Listen, God is not limited again by our ability. But what does hinder us is our faith. Look, I'm going to turn back into Matthew 13, which is right before this occurs in Matthew 14. In Matthew 14, we have this miracle recorded. Look at the last, I believe it's the last verse. I might be wrong on that. I believe it's the last verse of Matthew 13. I know it's in Matthew 13. Yep, last verse of Matthew 13. This is what hinders us before God. It's not your ability that hinders you. Look at verse 58. And he did not many mighty works. Excuse me. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Lack of faith. Faith. It's the key that that obedience in faith. Again, this is a different type of obedience that when we respond in faith, then God does give the strength, the power that's needed to meet the need. What he's called you to do. It'll be present. If you simply focus on your abilities, you're going to miss out. If the Lord has asked you to do it, it's up to His abilities. And I assure you, He's able. Again, wasn't that not, was that not the difference between David and the rest of the army of Israel when facing Goliath? The army of Israel only focused on their own individual abilities to try and beat this man. David did not. David didn't focus on the task, he focused on God. I mean, his own words said that. He knew he would have to defeat God. David knew that's not happening. That's why he was able to run. That's why David wasn't even nervous. I mean, whenever they said go, or they rang the bell, I don't know how they did it. David takes off after Goliath. I'm convinced Goliath had on it. I am. I can wait to watch this DVD in heaven or download it from the heaven cloud. I don't know how we're going to do it. But I can just see Goliath thinking, this teenager is running at me right now. You've got to be kidding me. And I can see him just lifting up his mask just to verify. <laughs> right before that stone pegs him right in the head. David believed he would have to defeat God. David understood all he had to do was be obedient. And God's power was involved. <clears throat> it is faith that overcomes those walls and obstacles. That's what we see taking place here. You think the task is too great, but you underestimate the power of faith in God. Our responsibility, our side of the fence, is not the power side of the house. It's the faith side, the obedient side. That's it. That's our side of the fence. Let God be God, and we be a servant and trust Him. 
And then lastly, not only does it take our obedience and faith, not only do we need the Lord's power, but we need his blessing then. We see that the Lord blessed the food in each of the Gospels, and then they distributed it from there. He blessed, broke the bread, gave the disciples, and said, now go ahead and distribute it. So again, it just starts out with the 15 loaves and two fishes. That's all they see. He blesses that, what they had. Lord breaks it, gives to each of the 12, go give to the people. They do. So they, they give it out here. They, they feed just a handful of people. They come back. It's there again. Distribute. 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 This went on and on and on. The Lord blessed what was taking place. And we need God's blessing in our life. When it comes to whatever it is in life, whatever task you are doing, whether it's your home, whether it's things going on at work, whatever it is, do you know how desperately we need God's favor and His blessing? And He responds to when we're obedient in faith. We need His blessing. Again, we can think of those attempting to do the work of God without God's blessing. It happens all the time. I can give you a biblical example if it comes to mind immediately. Remember when God, they were supposed to go into the promised land, weren't they? But then they doubted that the report came back and, and, and they gave the evil report. We can't do it. There's giants in the land. And of course, Joshua and Caleb are saying, no, we can. There are grasshoppers in our sight. We got this. God's on our side. They were focused on God, not the task. The others were focused on the task. But then you know what they decided to do? After, after, after they get, you know, the Lord comes down hard on them for their lack of faith. We're going in. But God said, Mm-mm, I already told you you're not. They tried to do God's work without God's blessing. It failed miserably. They were trying to accomplish the impossible task on their own apart from God. We need his blessing. To have success in our Christian life in general, we need God's blessing. We need His help and we need His grace. Doesn't matter what you're called to do, whether whether it's uh, whether it's even e- even in a ministry like there's a pastor of trying to prepare to feed people. There, there's just no way. There's just no way within that task that that's possible. It takes God's blessing. He knows what's going on in Brother Brown's life right now. I have no idea. I mean, he might secretly actually love FedEx over U- U- uh, UPS. I don't know. So bitterness is dwelling in him right now. (laughs) But I have no idea what's going on in your heart and mind. God does. Many never get to the place, even though God wants to put the blessing on it, but that opportunity never even arises in their life. Want to know why? They see the task and they don't even try it. There's different reasons the devil can come in and get you not to even stay away from the task. All these excuses. If you're not going to be obedient to the task, the blessing's obviously not going to be there. Or maybe they see the task. They try it, but they don't bring it before the Lord for his blessing. This gets into, and several different things motivate that that we have to be careful, whether it's pride, Self-glory? Different things can activate that. So it's something that ends up trying to be accomplished in the power of the flesh 
and that will only produce fleshly results. Another truth that I want to bring out before I close is this. Don't miss this one. It points out in, in all three, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that when this took place, they were in a desert place. They were in a desert place. Points out in the three other Gospels. They were in a desert place. Even in a desert place, the Lord can bless. Even in a place right now where you think, no, this is just a dry place. There's just nothing happening. No, no, no. This is when God loves to bless. Don't think the Lord, in other words, cannot help right where you're at. Because He can. Again, if we're obedient, you're coming to Him by faith. He can and will bless So when God gives you an impossible task, think about this. That is when the Lord is most glorified in your life. Is it not? Not when you can figure it out and do it. That's not when he's most glorified. It's when he's giving... Do you understand that when he gives you the opportunity of of knowing, all right, Daniel, I'm going to give you this. This is what you get to do. And he knows your first thought's going to be, I can't do this. This is impossible for me. That's the exact thought the Lord wants you to have. That's what he wants you to have. Because then, the goal would be then for you to respond in faith. I'm going to have to trust in God for this. And then when you see God's power and God's blessing and it works, know what's true now? Psalm 109.27, let me quote it. That they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. Where there will be no doubt who this is from. That this wasn't your, your intelligence, that this wasn't your strength, that this was of God. And then when you see that, you know what God is? He's glorified in your life. You're just like, wow, look what God did. It's true, there's times we will face impossible tasks. You know what we do? We act in obedience with faith. A different type of obedience. This one requires faith. Trusting for God's power in His blessing. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Now let me ask a question here. As we come into a time when we allow our people to come and pray, however the Lord dealt with your heart, I want to ask something very important. I want you to think about this. And that is, if you are to die right now, where would you go? If death was to find you this day, where is your soul going? Because your soul, when it departs your body, that, by the way, is death. It's going to one of two places, heaven or hell. Where is it going? You say, well, Pastor, I don't know. Let me take about 60 seconds, two minutes here to... To dive into that. The Bible says his appointment wants to die, but after this, the judgment. When you die, you'll stand before Almighty God. That day will come after you die. And God will judge you. Think about that. The creator of the universe will judge you. Well, what's he going to judge you? What's this judgment based upon? The Bible tells us. His law. It's based upon his law. So in other words, you're going to stand before God. By the way, you won't say anything. 
there, there, is, there is no defense to what he's going to show you. He's going to open, a, he's going to open these books are going to be opened, and, and one of them is going to have recorded the times that you have broken his law. You can't lie about it. You can't deceive. There's no mitigating it. It's done. God knows everything. He's saying, here it is. Here's when you cheated. Here's when you lied. Here's when you stolen. On and on and on. It's going to be there. The problem is this. All those found guilty, which all of us are guilty. We've all broken God's law. But all those who are found guilty at this judgment are cast into a lake of fire. That's a reality. This is why we use the term saved. Saved from what? That judgment. God loves you. He knows if he judges you, you're guilty and you're going to that place of fire. He knows that. But he provided a means of salvation from it. You see, something has to happen where you look perfect. That's his requirement. Not that you joined the church, not that that you went into some water. Somehow you have to look perfect before God, but you're not perfect. Because that's what's required, perfection. So you know what he did? It's amazing. God himself became a man, sent his son 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ lived as a man on this earth. You know what's amazing about it? The only one who's ever done it? He lived the perfect life. Perfection. The only one in all of human history that as a man could go to the judgment day and the father could say, you're innocent. I find no fault. Now get this. He lived that perfect life for you. When he went to the cross, an amazing transaction was taking place. Why the Lord did that, why he went to that cross, why he chose that, is because this event would satisfy justice. God the Father would place upon his son all of our sin, your sin on him. And the Father would judge him in your place for your sin, as if he was the transgressor. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That verse is teaching us that when Christ died for you, He did take your sin upon Himself. He was judged in your place so that He could give you His perfect life. We need that transaction to take place to save us from that judgment so that we stand before God. It looks as if we have never sinned. Now, He died for all. The Bible is clear. He died for all men. But it's not effectual for all. Few there be that find it, the Lord Jesus said. What's the difference? You see, it becomes effectual where God saves you from that judgment when you realize, man, I am wicked and sinful before God. If he does judge me, I will be guilty. I will be in a lake of fire. But you do believe that Jesus Christ did take your place, that he did die for your sins. And that he was buried. And because Jesus is God, death didn't hold him. He rose again the third day. Can you believe that? If you'll come to him in repentance and faith, saying, yes, uh, uh, whatever else I'm trusting in, I turn from it. That's not it. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you will place your faith solely in him. He will save you. Now, is there anyone here say, Pastor, I need that. I'm not certain that heaven is my home. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Please pray for me. Just put your hand up for me real quick and you can put it back down. I see a couple of small children is all I see. If you put your hand up, I missed it. I need you to do it again. 
All right, Christian. If the Lord worked on your heart, maybe you're facing that impossible task right now. Maybe there's a mountain that's right there. Do you know what the Lord asks of you? Not your ability to accomplish that. He doesn't. He knows you don't have it. He knows it's difficult and it's hard. What he wants to do is be glorified in your life through it. He wants you to look at God and say, Wow, thank you. That was incredible. To get to that point, it's that obedient faith. Or if you have something else you need to come and pray about, you come and pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page number 485, and if you need to come and pray this morning, you come and pray. All hearts are clear. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Again, our evening service is tonight at 5 p.m. We still have some of our men preaching, so we'll probably have about three or four of them preach here this evening. And then we'll head on over for the Tropical uh, Fellowship. So that's always an enjoyable time. I hope you plan on coming. Visitors, thank you for coming. We're so glad you're here. We appreciate you coming. Even our return visitors, thank you so much. And uh, look forward to seeing everyone here this evening. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll be dismissed. Brother Lonnie, would you pray and dismiss us, please?